Hello, everyone. Welcome to the eTech Leadership Table. This is a podcast where we invite you to pull up a chair, grab a cup of coffee, and join us as we tackle some remarkable discussions on everything leadership. I'm Melissa Wood. I'm your host. I'm the Dean of Leadership Development at eTech Global Services. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the eTech Leadership Table. You know, it's a podcast for leaders, by leaders, and I'm here today with Daniel Burks. Hey, Daniel, how's it going? Oh, I'm, it's just wonderful. I'm so excited to be back at the leadership table with you. Second time at the table. So, you know, uh, when we started the eTech Leadership Table, I, I just started thinking about, you know, like I said before, all the family conversations I used to have and still do with my grown children around the table. And sometimes you invite guests over and they sit down and you just absolutely enjoy them being part of the table. And that's why we said, can you please come back to the leadership table? So we appreciate you pulling a chair up. I saw you sipping. I think it looked like a Coca-Cola, a Diet Coke. I'm not sure Diet what Coke. you were drinking. Diet yep, Coke Diet over Coke. there. I'm drinking a V8 yep. Energy Flash today. Orange pineapple. Those are good, so, too. Okay, so you're going to have caffeine in about 10 minutes. I've got caffeine about kicking in, so that'll give our <laughs> podcasters time to go get them, get them a drink. You guys better hurry. Get your pen, your paper, your tablet, pull up your chair. We're going to sit together. You know how this, this rolls. We're going to sit together at this leadership table, and we're going to talk about an amazing topic that you will want to take some notes. And the topic of discussion today is five critical components of a winning culture. How many of you, look, by show of hands, I can't see all of you, but I know you're there. How many of you want a, to work in a winning culture? I do. That's the way I think about it. Instead of so worried about creating a winning culture for someone else to work in, I want to create a winning culture that I want to work in. So it, it takes um, a creative mind. And there's a lot of creative minds out there. And we're looking at one of them, Mr. Daniel Burke. So, Daniel, I want to get our mind going. I know I didn't prep you for this. So oh, get ready for it. What do you consider? Because we talk about winning culture. It takes some people with some creative minds to create a winning culture, right? What do you Absolutely. consider the most creative invention of all time? The most creative invention of all time? I mean, that's yeah, a really like broad it. topic. Um, I'm a I'm a pretty big super nerd. I would probably say the most creative invention uh, invention of all time is the super collider uh, in Sweden. Um, it was a what whole, is that? <laughs> uh, you know, it was a it was the whole idea that there is a you know they're going to explain the big bang and dark matter yeah. and so they basically created a, a a tool to try to prove out a theory and you know the ideas that they're having from a physics standpoint i think is amazing they're 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 trying to explain things and they don't have all of the information and they come up with these experiments and they built this super uh this the cern super collider and uh i'm a big nerd and i love to watch you know listen to all these things uh uh, yes. I listen to all the scientific podcasts and and to me that to is like they're trying to prove something that has never been proven or existed before. So I think that's probably the the biggest most amazing invention that I can think of off the top of my head. Oh my, oh my gosh, that's pretty. So is this active right now? They're doing this right yes, now. And yeah. where did you say this was at? It's in, it's in Switzerland, I think. Switzerland. Yep. Do you want to go like watch these brains in action? 
Oh, I would, I would love to sit on the, in, in the like a fly on the wall and just eat popcorn and just, you know, listen to what's going on and what they're talking about and what they're thinking about. Okay. I knew I'd ask that question. I wanted the, I want our podcasters to understand the brain level that I'm dealing with today. Okay. Because that question was asked of me and I'm going to show you the difference of the way Daniel thinks and the way Melissa thinks. Are y'all ready? They're, they're like, Melissa, what do you think is the greatest invention of all time? And, you know, you put on the spot, so you just kind of think about the first thing that pops onto your head. I said a straw. I just said a straw, Daniel, because somebody is making big money out of a straw. And it could be <laughs> any straw. It could be the bamboo straws. It could be paper straws. It could be plastic straws. I was just educated that there is a travel straw. It folds up. And you can take it with you wherever you go. So I think that there's tons of, uh, <laughs> think about the amount of straws in the world and think about the create. Someone said, I want to drink this, but I don't want to drink it this way. I want to drink it through the cylinder like thing. Somebody did that in their brilliant mind. Yeah. So I know, Daniel, that is a little different than the pendulum of uh, the uh, super collider that is going on in Switzerland, but I would like to take my, my straw brain and your super collider brain and let's put them together and let's add some value to our podcasters today. And let's walk me through, you know, even the, the group that created the straw, they had to figure out how to make it happen. Even the group that created the super collider that are doing this now, yeah. all these different types of brains are needed in the world. So walk us through and educate us on these five, components of creating a winning culture whether you're inventing a straw or on the team of super collider can, can you ready to rock and roll i am absolutely let's do um, it so this was you know i you presented some topics and i gravitated towards this one because it's probably the one that i'm most passionate about and i've had the opportunity to work at three really great companies all who had very strong established cultures and all of them were different and I think that when I left the first one and kind of went to the second one, you can't help but do a little bit of contrasting and comparison, right? You're going, well, why does, why does this company look at things this way? And why does this company look at things this way? And they were both really large companies. And then I'm now into my third uh, company. And, you know, the it gets even more interesting to see how those things translate. Um, and then, you know, my, I spent from 1990 to 1998 between the Army National Guard and active duty Army, and there's a culture in the military too. And so I kind of had that as a contrast to what it was to be in the civilian life. And so over the years, I've kind of walked through this uh, uh, evolution because you start as you take different leadership positions uh, in companies, um, you get asked questions about culture or you or you'll see culture play out and you are left as the leader to try to help the team understand why things are happening the way it is uh, in, in a particular situation. And so I've kind of adopted a saying this culture is not what you say it is. And it's culture is not what you say it is. Culture is what you see it is. Right. So, uh, you know, it's proofs in the pudding. A lot of companies will go out and spend a lot of money, time, effort, and energy to go, okay, here's our mission, vision, values. You know, here's what's important to us. And they put it on cups and T-shirts and posters. And in some cases, when it's convenient, they'll point at it or talk to it. But yep. in real reality or in real life, how those decisions and interactions are played out in the everyday business and witnessed by our associates okay, is what the culture really is. 
And I had a couple really good examples of that that I thought were, you know, uh, very relevant. Um, Amazon bought a company called Zappos a few years back. Okay. And Zappos yep. has one of the greatest customer culture, customer centric cultures um, out there, but they're also their day to day culture is phenomenal. And they have, uh, you can go to Vegas and you can do the tour. Uh, pay to do the Zappos tour. And every year they put out what they call the culture book. And what the culture book is, is they basically just survey their entire folks out there. And without editing or anything, they create a book of what all of the people say, they how they experience Zappos culture. And that was so important okay. to those associates and to that executive team that when Amazon bought them, they said, listen, unless we are able to maintain the culture that we have today, okay, we're not going to go, go with, on with this sale. This is how important this piece of our business is. And so when you read that book and you talk about all of the things that people say, what comes out of that was how the Zappos culture made all of those people feel. It was less about what was done. It wasn't beanbag chairs. It wasn't foosball tables. It was It was literally, here's our mission or our purpose, and here's how the company makes us feel about it that comes off the pages more than anything else. Wow. So culture is not what you say it is. Culture is what you see it is. And so you kind of narrowed it down and you said, well, what are the five kind of key ingredients or components uh, to a winning culture? And I, and I broke them down to, to purpose, communication, measurement, recognition, and selection. Purpose, communication, measurement, recognition, and selection. So um, I have these, uh, I have this quote. It's one of my favorite quotes of all time. I tell my kids this. It's on my wall. It says, "If you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there." Mm -hmm. It's a quote from Lewis Carroll in Alice in Wonderland. Yes, and uh, and you know, if you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. And when I see companies struggling with culture, okay people's understanding of what their purpose is, their company's purpose is, and their place in that purpose is where you most often start seeing either departments inside the company, okay, or just across the board, people feeling lost and not being able to, you know, tie in or stay connected with what the company's doing. So for me, that first one purpose is the most, like, critical piece that anybody that's in a leadership position has to be the absolute best at articulating our company purpose is fill in the blank. Yeah. So that no matter what role they're in, they have the ability to tie what our, their associates are doing or what their employees are doing yeah. back to that purpose. And if you can't do those two things perfectly, clearly, as Einstein said, Einstein says, if you can't explain it simply, you don't understand it well enough. Right. That's exactly that's exactly right. <clears throat> right. If you as the leader in an organization inside of an organization can't describe the company's purpose, how do you have your folks emotionally tied to what they're doing and the value of what they're doing to the company's purpose? So the first key ingredient is purpose. I think um, I'm glad you said that. And I'm, I wrote down like what you train your kids. If you don't know where you're going, the, any road will take you there. And then <clears throat> I start thinking about um, what I say to my, I have two grown boys, right? They own their own businesses. They're moved out and everything. And so there's a, there's a, a song that we listened to years ago. And some of the lyrics said, if you, you've got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. Those were Aaron the lyrics. So, yep. That's Aaron it. Tippett, great song. 
that's my that's one of my favorite songs like i think he was he was on point of basically saying you so it's pretty much what you're teaching your kids and when you're speaking out into the industry you that's your purpose you're gonna fall yeah. for anything you'll take any road you don't know what road you're supposed to be on so um I think that's great. Then I start thinking about my childhood. Like, you know, are your kids going to remember this? Are my kids going to remember Aaron Tippin? You know, Aaron, if you're out, Aaron could be pulled up at the podcast table. There's no telling, you know? <clears throat> so thank you, Aaron, for grounding us on purpose. Then I start thinking about my childhood when you were talking, like, do I remember someone instilling purpose into me? And my dad had a saying, and he still does. He'll say, um, he'll say, where are you going? And I say, I, you know, I don't know. And he said, well, how are you going to know when you get there? And exactly. I'm like, okay. And he would do that constantly because I'd be going through the house and he'll say, where are you going? I said, I don't know. He said, well, how are you going to know when you get there? So those little things, I, I see what you mean, how purpose really is. You know, I think on Monopoly, they said you can't pass go. So that's what Daniel's saying. You cannot go. It, the other ones do not matter. This is not a la carte. This is, you have to choose this one first. So you have to choose a purpose. Thank you for that. All right, let's rock it into number two. Well, I'm going to hang out just for a second on the purpose piece for one more okay. second, because I really feel like that, you know, um, I kind of touched on it in, in the leadership piece, but I really want to make sure we drive that one point home. I find often enough that the leaders that I engage with, sometimes they're not clear okay, yeah. on what position or point they play in the company's purpose. And so we sometimes can feel like we're, you know, powerless and we're in a whirlwind and you know, th things are happening around us. And we have no control of it. But if you're a leader of a group or an organization, you can very clearly help your folks point them in the right direction with a, with a purpose inside the company's plan. And, and a lot of times it takes one person. Um, I like to use that uh, Enron example. I'm old enough that I remember the whole Enron breakdown and all of that. And, and when you walk into their really beautiful building that they had, uh, I think it was in Dallas with a huge building in the very front lobby in great big letters, they had their mission and vision on the wall. Okay. And one of those was integrity and one of them was trust. And, you know, there's, there's that, that proved that just putting it on the wall wasn't enough. Okay. Right. What was happening behind the scenes and our, and our associates will take our, their cues from us as leaders. The first time we waffle on the purpose. Okay. If it's yeah. integrity, trust, whatever it is, as soon as we waffle, we've made it clear, made it clear that it, it doesn't matter. So it's not important. Yeah. So uh, number two so is measurement. You, oh, go ahead. Uh, before you, before you jumped, I know this is so good. I know before you, I want to know from you, like if you, if you're taking over a company, if you're taking over a key, uh, a team, what is a, do you have like a, 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 something that you do to like get a foundation of purpose? Is there some, something that you do that makes this work really well for you that you found over these companies that you work for? Absolutely. Uh, I actually had this conversation with a new vice president in our company uh, just a few weeks ago, and we were talking about a store, uh, a unit that was struggling, and they're basically just kind of wholesale resetting everything. And I said, you know, the manager that you're putting in, there's a new manager. He's taking on a huge mm -hmm. responsibility, and he's really facing the culture of the manager that had just, uh, you know, had left the company. And I said that I think the most important thing that I did when I took over problem areas where we're struggling with culture or the company's culture got, you know, uh, diminished in some way was that I started out with my leadership team, right? And I sat okay. down with each one of my managers and I said, hey, listen, if I could do anything for you, if I could wave a magic wand, okay, what would you want me to fix right now? Now, that's an interesting question because it's open-ended. 
Now, what yeah. happens is inevitably they start talking about basically what you're there to fix. You know, I, I never knew what was going on. I was given multiple different directions. Priorities were, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera. They, they start giving you all the ammunition to have the second part of the conversation. Hey, listen, I really appreciate Melissa, you spending that time with me, giving me those things. I promise you I'm going to address those things. Let me tell you what's important to me. And you start with the smallest and the most basic things, right? Okay, listen, I don't like people being late. I'm yeah. not late. I don't want you to be late. Okay, and I don't want you ever, ever, ever to put yourself in a, in a situation where I question your integrity. Okay, yeah. and let me tell you what integrity means to me. Now, you think that's very interesting when you start talking about the company's culture or purpose, but those two things, one, your willingness as a leader to listen to the things that they are feeling pain about, okay, and and actually listen, write it down and address it. And the second thing, really clearly, clearly defining, hey, listen, I want you to show up when you're supposed to show up. That's personal integrity, right? That's personal yep. responsibility. Okay. And then I don't want you ever put yourself in a situation right well where I will have to question your integrity. By doing yeah. those two things over the last 20 years in multiple really kind of sketchy situations where I was taking over problem areas, I was able to start the foundational conversation completely over. And when I started talking about the culture and I started talking about integrity and not ignoring what happened in the past, but addressing what was going to happen going forward. I found that more often than not, when they saw that I was going to stay very true to those things, it caused yeah. them to line up behind me much, much mm. faster. And so I was yeah. I was bushwhacking through the jungle of of all of the cultural problems that there were, and they were being yeah. able to walk in my path and, and 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 go back to their teams and be able to say, hey, listen, I hear you. I saw, yeah. just saw an example of it, right? So they go, I hear you. That was the way we were doing it. That's not the way we're doing it anymore. And it empowered them to go and start kind of recalibrating and doing the right thing. Yeah, that that seems that seems like one-on-one -on -one training, but that's where you and I have both seen, uh, that's where it breaks down. That's where leaders break down. Uh, it, it's, it's culture is not what you say it is. It's what you see it is. And so you're communicating that, but you're showing it it too. And I think people just kind of skim over that. So if you're listening to this on Spotify, if you're listening and you're just go, going through the stop for a second and listen to this, I think you need to hear, there's a lot of podcasts out there, but there's, this is a real one, right? And and, yeah. and this one is, is speaking truth into your life. If you're willing to listen, you, it is, it does us no good to tell someone else how to get healthy when you're the most unhealthy person there is. So instead of wearing a healthy shirt or putting the gym membership sticker on your vehicle, how about you actually do something? Oh, wow. and, and yeah, and then I, you know, I'm from Texas, born and raised, you know how I am, Daniel. So I, I call that get your boots muddy, right? Yep. yep. We here in Texas, when we see somebody with clean boots out on the work site, something's <laughs> not right. Yep. something is wrong something is wrong with that picture so i appreciate you doing that all right let's go to that next uh communication tell us a little uh, bit about yep. that well, the second one's measurement oh well, right? I, I missed them up i put purpose communicate yep. so second one's measurement uh well okay. oh my you, no i messed that up it's yeah but it's uh, measurement and uh okay. let's see here well I don't know. I guess I I messed that up. I moved my slides around. But yeah, the second one is communication. I'm so sorry. Okay, good. Okay, so, good. So communication. So um, what we actually just talked about was the first thing, because I think that what happens is, is that when people that should have an opinion stop having an opinion, you created a culture where they no longer feel safe 
to tell you how they feel. So that original initial conversation where I ask them straight out, if I can fix anything for you, wave a magic wand, it creates that initial and an immediate, hey, he's actually interested in understanding what pain that I'm feeling. And by doing that, okay, you actually change or recalibrate the entire conversation going forward. The expectation is that you talk to me and I am going to listen to you. And when you start talking about your purpose as an organization, if you don't have the ability to, from different stages, communicate out to the organization, hey, listen, here's where we are going. Seven habits, highly effective people, right? Begin with the end in mind. Here's where we're going. Here's why that's important. Okay, here's the part that you play. And then the part that I think a lot of leaders miss as it relates to creating a great culture and just communicating to their teams is that they will communicate and it's one and done. And that's not how how, how it works. People don't always get it one and done. And so I work for a leader right now who is just amazing at going, hey, that's true north. Hey, that's true north. Hey, what are you doing? Hey, that's true north. And continuing to repeat the message and point us all in the same direction all of the time. And good leaders who are understanding their role have their head up enough of the time so that they can see when someone is out of the path and out into the field. When they're off the path and into the field, okay, they, they have to be able to go back and say, I need to repeat that message. So that communications piece is extremely important because it really helps the organization remember, okay? And I always say the corner tr- the cornerstone of training is repetition. Okay? Mm-hmm. The cornerstone of training is repetition. Hearing the message over and over and over again, here's our purpose, here's your, here's your part in it. Here's our purpose, here's your part in it. Helps the organization not forget, but it also helps the organization stay emotionally connected to what they're doing to help that purpose move forward. Right. And so, yeah. And I really feel like great leaders do this in really two ways. Okay. And one of them's what I call the meetings. And there's big meetings, like I said, that stage is, you know, in front of the organization on a podcast or on a, uh, you know, WebEx or, you know, whatever. There's the organized scheduled meetings that happen once a month. But then there's also those uh, daily management meetings that should be happening all of the time. And one of the things that uh, Patrick Lencioni said in his book, Death by Meeting, was that he talked about when he, if he could have it all over again, he would rewrite some of those books. And he talked about leaders that don't like to have meetings. And he says, leaders that he goes, could think of one, anything else that a leader can do within an organization that could more positively imp- improve the culture and direction of the company than a very well administered meeting. Any manager that or leader that that abdicates or doesn't like meetings and doesn't have good meetings is abdicating their authority. They're abdicating their ability to influence their leaders to go out and influence the organization. And so communication, right. you do that thread through every level of communication. So meetings is one piece. And my, my second one is my most favorite one. It's one I kind of get in trouble with sometimes, I think, because... I like to do it so much. And if you're you know, looking from a different direction, it looks like I'm just goofing off. But <laughs> I call it, it at Walmart. We call it a coaching by walking around. Yeah. MBWA. Okay. <laughs> yes, ma'am. We call it coaching by walking around. But what it was, was that I was going out and I would stand in the aisles or I'd stand in the, in the cubes and I would just have a human interaction with my folks. 
And I would always try, and I always try to look for something that I can talk positively about, right? Mm. And it's the best format for positive reinforcement. And it's also one of the best formats for uh, building someone's self-esteem. And so I believe very strongly that part of communication is recognition. And if you're doing a good job as a leader, you're catching people doing things right. So you're looking for opportunities to give recognition and recognition has to be specific. It has to be timely. And if you can do it, okay, it has to be in front of folks in their own peers, right? And so how do you do that if you're in an office, you know, behind a desk, you got to get out in the aisles and coach by walking around, connect with your folks, listen to what's being said and what's going on and communicate the vision. Hey, listen, you did a great job. That's a perfect example, Melissa. That's a perfect example of integrity. Well done. Yeah. And you use that example. You're very specific. And, And so I feel like that those two things, one, have great meetings, making sure you keep the company's culture center point the decision-making in the meetings and in coaching by walking around, they're not really meetings per se, but you are out there with the folks listening to what's going on. I, you know, when you're talking, I take so many notes when you're talking. So thank you because, you know, I know you come here to add value uh, to others. And so you're adding value to me. And I know many of our podcast listeners, but when you're talking, I just get these, you do such a great job of giving us picture images that we can relate to, right? And so I just started thinking about a, a, a high school football team, right? That's not because I'm from Texas and football's crazy in <laughs> Texas. And because, you know, we have the Dallas Cowboys in the NFL. So something's not working right with our teams. I don't know. But, yeah. um, <clears throat> but you know how when a coach, like when he's in practice or, or even during the game, but I see it a lot at practice. I've watched a, a lot of uh, athletic practices before, because I love to see different coaches interact with players, right? And when you started talking about um, reinforcing, the communication of reinforcing good behavior, you know, you hear coaches saying that. That's what that looks like. That's what I'm talking about, Jones. That's it. You know, they they start saying stuff like that. And that is just a – that you know, you said that leader that you worked with said, that's true north. That's true north. You know, that's just a – that's a reinforcement that that that's you know we can't just be popping each other on the butts you know in the office because i'm hr and that's not <laughs> you know that's not okay that's not it's okay, not okay. We, yeah that's not okay but we do need to find a way to point them to that true north like you said and if we're not saying great job Bergs, that's what it looks like that's what i'm talking about you know then we we've, we've got to be able to do that so i appreciate that piece on communication and how you broke down the the meetings, I just hear the person in my head. We all have that person saying, meetings are a waste of time. Meeting, yeah, well, poorly managed meetings are. That's right. You're right. So, yeah. and then the coaching by walking around, management by walking around. All right, let's keep it pushing. Now I'm on to measurement. I got excited okay. about this one. Okay, I get excited <laughs> about this one. So measurement, what gets measured gets done, right? So yeah. I'm an operator at heart. I've been an operator for a really long time. Even in the military, I was an operator. And so what gets measured gets done. And I think that some of our jobs can feel like it's just a con- continuous grind, right? It's just, yeah. you're just working, 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 working. And then you come in tomorrow mm-hmm. and you're just working, working, working. And so you have to create KPIs, things that you can point to, to go, Hey, listen, we're making progress. Um, I had a meeting yesterday and we had taken over something that was really struggling. There was a lot of things that we were trying to get done and there was not a really good scorecard. So I just had this uh, room 
I have a, a really large meeting room that we painted every single wall with dry erase board. The whole That's wall, perfect. every wall, floor to ceiling. Yeah. And so I yeah. kind of took over one wall and I wrote down all of the problems about eight weeks ago. And I wrote okay. down everything that was just broken. It was just, you know, everything that they were complaining about. And I put them into some buckets and stuff. And then yesterday, it was an eight-week kind of a follow-up. And I was intentionally holding off, holding off. And then I said, okay, where are we at with this? And oh, that's done. Where are we at with this? And I was just drawing lines through the things as we were doing it. And as the group was sitting there, they were like, wow, that, oh, that we got a lot of these things taken care of. And I think that all of us really need to know what's being measured, okay? Because that's how we measure whether or not we're being effective. And so- yeah. I had like five uh, key performance measurements for anybody to use. One's efficiency, you measure efficiency. So how much are we getting done? Select an output unit and a time to measure. Um, quality, are we doing good work? Can't do it just fast. You got to do it well, right? Is it the right. good quality? Okay. Teamwork is everybody that's doing the, on the, working on the project. Do they all feel like they're part of the team? And are they acting like team members? Okay, because you get some people that'll kind of work off into their own little thing and you got to bring them back in. Um, you know, we look at learning ability for folks. So if you because I think that one of the biggest tragedies as leaders and managers are sometimes we promote people to a position of failure. Um, yeah, and it's our fault. And so if they're yeah. not getting it and letting them sit there, they're frustrated and the people around them are frustrated. So you got to be always keeping your finger on that KPI and then adherence to timelines. You know, I'm a big project management kind of guy. I've been on project management for a long time. And I like to ask people, how long do you think it's going to take? And I let them give me a real number, but I hold them accountable to that. Right. And yep. I think that's important. And so what gets measured gets done. That is, uh, you know what? You even mentioned it earlier. You said if it's too complplicated to explain and you can't make it simple, it's, you know, you don't, you don't understand, understand it well enough. Yeah. So this is it. What it gets measured gets done. So if you have 900 things that you're wanting people to be responsible for, no wonder they're getting burnt out. No wonder anybody yeah. knows. You know, go back to the sports team. They know how to win the game. The scoreboard's up there. They know what where the boundaries are. And yep. they're running the ball, right? Or they're shooting the hoops or whatever your sport, yeah. whatever your sport you like, you know. Yeah. Uh, if you're listening from a different country and I say football, it could be that brown different one or it could be a round soccer ball football football that's right who that's right. who knows people just know, I, yeah people got to know how they're winning if they're winning yeah <clears throat> all right i love measurement i think we missed that one out okay i think i'm right i think number four is recognition that's correct so okay. what gets measured gets done what gets recognized gets repeated Mm. So if what measured with what's measured gets done, then what gets recognized gets repeated. And it goes back to that coaching by walking around our ability, okay, <clears throat> to um, connect with our folks that here's the KPI, you did a really good job, right? And I, I'm a huge fan. I've probably given out 500 copies of the one minute manager because the one minute manager was the simplest explanation of just very effective day to day management. Here's what I want you to do. Here's how I want you to do it. Here's how I'm going to measure if you're winning or not. And if you're doing a good job, here's how I'm going to recognize you. And if you're not doing a good job, this is how I'm going to get you back on track. It's really straightforward. Yeah. In that book, it talks about you have to be an expert at catching people doing things right, because that's how yeah. people learn, right? If you're always negative and always pointing out stuff, you, you just break them down. No one, no one likes that. But if they do it yeah. right, 
and you catch them doing it right and you recognize them when they do it right, all of a sudden yeah. they're going to work harder to do it like that as many times as possible. Yeah. Right. And so I said for recognition, the big three for me, the, for recognition, number one, and this one, John Maxwell says, okay, he likes to walk slowly through the crowd. That's it. I've heard him okay. talk about walk. that. I have seen him do that. Yes. Walk slowly through the crowd. Before yep. you jump because to your big three, let me tell you what I've seen John Maxwell. He flew to ETEC to our company to speak. And John usually flies with an entourage, just in case anybody knows this or not because there's some there's some things that you know his team puts in place for him like he's got if you'll notice when he speaks he has his water bottle he has a certain hot chair like there's a there's a thing that he's that his team makes sure happens right john comes to etech by himself on a plane I, it was the pilot and john maxwell he was so excited john if you're sitting at our leadership table i am bragging on you because I had his table set up. I had his water sitting there. I had everything ready for John Maxwell. You know what he does, Daniel? He likes, I don't want to sit. He's, I don't want to sit there. I just want to walk slowly through the crowd. And he did just that. I've got pictures of it. Like, awesome. I'm sure his, his team is like, Melissa, you have to follow the rules. <laughs> but I told John to go back and tell them, Melissa followed the rules. John didn't. But he walked slowly through the crowd and just spent time with people so that was this yeah. help. even when you get up there in superstardom he's not just saying it he's living it so walk slowly through the crowd all right what's on the big three what's number two pay attention okay because it's not just about walking through the crowd and connecting with folks Okay, how do you connect with folks? You have to pay attention. And so from organizational leaders, from folks, those of us that are leading groups or teams, okay, if you're paying attention, hair color changes, you know, fingernails change, new shoes, new whatever, those are great superficial things, but posture and attitude, okay, you can pick those things up. And there's yeah. nothing that, in my mind, you know, generates more feeling of caring by the leader is them recognizing, hey, Melissa, it looks like you're not having a good day. What can I do to help you? Sometimes just recognizing that they're not having a good day was enough. Just that your mm -hmm. the leader came out, coached by walking around, walked slowly through the crowd and recognized that I was struggling a little bit. That to, to me um, is a thing. And, you know, being willing to stop what you're doing and have that conversation in that moment or, hey, well, let's just step over to my office and let's talk about it. That will help things so many gary v is uh somebody that i like to follow and he talked about uh culture in his one of his speeches and he had a very important player on his team and she was just not feeling it and he was on his way to mm -hmm. you know sign a very very lucrative contract in new york and he turned his car around and went back to his office and he went and sat down with this person he says because she was more valuable to me than that deal and that's what that's it culture, that's, that's what culture feels like and I think that's a great example of what an organizational yeah. leader who really believes in the culture of their company and is trying to take these things and create that great culture, okay, is going to do. Because it's at the end of the day, the culture is not machines and not equipment, not technology or applications. It's people, right? And Gary V, Gary V, Gary V yep. should have a high five, fist bump, elbow bump. That was that's the true north. That's what it looks like, Gary V. That's, v. The that's true it. north. Yes, ma'am. And then the last one, and this one's kind of a funny one, 
And I learned this one uh, many years ago as an assistant manager for a company that I worked for. Um, I had a very, think, think 1950s, uh, you know, school teacher. She was like six feet tall, always had her hair up, always dressed really, okay. really proper. Had been with the company about 35 years uh, when I, I met am? her. I'm a brand new assistant manager and we were struggling in some uh, uh, sales. And so I went out and I spent some time talking to my my team because at the end of the day, I was an assistant. They were my department managers. And uh, the next day, we she made some changes. She taught me some stuff and we worked through it. And we made those changes. And the next day, sales were going the right direction. And all I did was I walked by and I said, hey, thank you so much for spending time with me yesterday, teaching me this stuff. Your knowledge is very valuable to me. Great job. So that's all I said. Thank you for spending time with me. Great job. I start to walk away and I look back and she's got big crocodile tears rolling out of her eyes. And I was yeah. like, her name was Jean. I was like, Jean, uh, what's going on? She goes, do you know how long it's been that a member of management has actually looked me in the eye, thanked me and told me I was doing a good job? She goes, thank you for doing oh. that. And it taught me something. It taught me that in her mind, I was a, a member of management. I wasn't mm -hmm. some rookie kid didn't know anything about the department she was managing. I was a member of management. I was in a leadership position and I gave her a heartfelt recognition and gratitude. And so my third one, it says, it says your opinion matters as a leader that's trying to grow culture in a company, your opinion matters. And so if you don't recognize that you have influence and what John Maxwell say, okay, what is leadership? It's purely and simply influence. Okay, you yep, have nothing more, nothing less. <laughs> nothing more, nothing less. Yeah. Your opinion matters, and you should be willing to positively be very selective and very specific with it. Give your opinion, especially when it's building people up. That I'm gonna always remember about Jean. That's that's really good. I think we we pass over Jean's because we think someone else is doing it, right? We think someone else is doing it. Or, you know, sometimes we we kind of, I don't know if it's imposter syndrome, but we go, what what am I going to tell this 35-year right. subject matter expert, you know, to make her right. feel good about herself? And that's the wrong way to think about it. Everybody yeah. likes to hear, thank you. Well done. That's true. That's true. You think about, you know, uh, as a mom, I loved it when my kids, you know, say, thanks for this meal, mom. I really appreciate the hard work, you know, yeah. instead of just gobbling it up. And I think that's what a lot of us do in leaders. We just gobble up people's performance. And that's, we, you know, I hope everybody's listening to that. I might be under a little something there. Would we be disrespectful to go to someone's home, gobble up their food and not tell them thank you or we appreciate the hard work? Yeah. Why do we, then why do we do it as, then why do we do it as leaders? When people are giving you their brain, their hours, their time, which is the most valuable thing in the world, why are we walking out of the office and being so rude? Hmm. Yeah. Thank you for thank you for reminding us that you're the new Aaron Tippin in my life, Daniel Burks. You are the new Aaron <laughs> Tippin. <laughs> All right, last one. <laughs> last one, yeah, it's selection. Okay. okay, so let's just talk, let's just pause for a second. So we've done a really good job. You know, we're working on either building a new, you know, some of you folks might be entrepreneurs. You're building up a new company and you're looking for tips and tricks on how to grow your culture. You're in an existing company that has an established culture, but maybe what you see is happening is not necessarily what we say should be happening. So you're trying to kind of recalibrate your team, but you know, you've done all of the work 
okay, to do a really good job of establishing purpose. You're doing a great job with communication of those things. Um, you're measuring the right stuff and everybody knows what winning looks like. You're taking time out of your time and day to recognize what is happening and what is going well. And then you go out and you hire people that don't fit your culture. Yep. Okay. And so the last one is called selection. And Jack Ma had a quote that I really loved. And he says, try and, Try to find the right people, not the best people. Try to find the right people, not the best people. And what I believe what he's saying there is that sometimes, and I've I've been a VP for a really long time. I've hired tons and tons of people over the last 20 plus years. And sometimes you can get caught up in credentials. You can get caught up in yep. uh, education. You can get caught up in a lot of things that can be easily seen and measured and then the person that you hire is a horrible fit for your company's culture. They they don't they yep. don't match with the team. They they uh, they immediate friction. Um, they come in with a sense of entitlement, and you basically destroy all of the work that you've done to to manifest this wonderful place to work with a wonderful culture. So try not to find the right people. Try to find the best people. And here's what I believe with that: that okay, our teams are watching who we hire, who we promote. And who we let stay. Okay. Who we hire, who we promote, mm. who we let stay, our teams are watching. And so if we hire people that aren't a good fit, that's a bad thing. So what do I do? I do two things to make sure I hire the right person. Number one, I hire for, they've got to be able to do the job. That's understood. But I ask the same questions at the end of my uh, uh, interview that are all part of our company values related questions, right? So I ask the same questions of every single people. I want to know um, how do they define it as if I'm a young child, define integrity to me. Simply, that's what I want to know. Simply define what integrity means to you. Explain it to me, okay? How do you, when's the last time you demonstrated excellence? Because one of our values is excellence. So tell me when the last time you demonstrated excellence. Um, tell me how you like to be shown respect, now, I okay. think that's very interesting how many people struggle with that one. Tell me how you like to be shown respect and tell me what compassion means to you. Because those are our four integrity, respect, compassion, and excellence, right? And I ask that of every single person. But the second thing that I do is I don't hire anybody from my team that my team doesn't interview. Okay, so if I'm going to bring somebody into the inner circle my team are going to sit down and have a conversation. And I'm not asking them to ask the interview questions. I'm asking them to right. sit down and just have a great human conversation and then come back to me and go, we feel very strongly that person is going to fit good on our team. Or, hey, you know what? I'm not really sure if that person is the right person for our team. Because if they yeah. immediately like or dislike somebody, we'll tell you how the next six months are going to go. Yeah. I've been watching that. Uh, that that's starting, I know, at ETAG we're starting to see like for some of the senior positions, they're getting people from different departments to sit in and just have a conversation with the applicant. They think they want to hire, um, not to tell them yes, but just to see if they want to work with them. You know, you want, and I, I think that's brilliant. I think that's really good because the buy-in's already there. Like they'll be more proactive to help their colleague if they had a little buy-in um, and get it on there. I know that, I participated um, in a Lean Six Sigma um, study um, when I got certified in Lean Six Sigma. And we started, one of our first uh, belt trainings was tenure, like turnover, right? 
Oh, yeah. And there were proven results that 67% of people stay for an organization if they are the hiring manager of that team. And then it jumped to 80% of them staying if the members of their team all played a role in the decision. So that's what you're doing there. I think that's brilliant. Yeah. That totally makes sense to me. Absolutely. So our teams are watching who we hire, who we promote. So promotions are as important as anything else. Okay. Yep. You have to be very uh, intentional with that. Um, it's sometimes very easy to promote somebody from within the company because you think, well, they know the culture, they know the company, they know the players, but if they are not necessarily the right person for the job, they just happen to be the easy solution. They are folks that you can, you can tear a culture apart with that. But the one that I think is the most important, and this is probably where managerial courage um, and strong leadership is the most uh, necessary. It's the folks that we let stay. That's right? it. And, and it's very difficult sometimes to make those decisions, but that's kind of why we have the job, right? And so to yeah. protect the culture, allowing someone to stay that should not be staying, it, yeah. it really it really damages your credibility, not only uh, with your people, uh, but with the culture that you've been trying to protect. You know, I don't know what kind of house you grew up in, Daniel, but, um, you know, I, you paint these pictures for me and I and I just, you know, we've heard this for so long. If you're going to be under my roof, you're going to live by my rules, my, right? And I'm sure yep. you do that with your kids too. Like that's, you've created the culture of your home. And if they want to stay there when they get old, you know, a little bit older, then they're going to have to abide by that culture, right? Because Absolutely. your other kids are doing what? They're watching. Yep. They're watching how you do. Um, and so I, I just think that's a, a brilliant way of saying that. Those are five, the fabulous five. That's what I think. I think those Thank are the you. fabulous five. And I think that the way you broke each one of them down and gave us some nuggets, who we hire, who we promote, who we let stay. I, I Especially, I hope my podcaster friends are taking notes. What gets measured gets done. What gets recognized gets repeated. I think some of those are just absolutely just things we're going to keep forever. So that's what you did for us. I appreciate your time. Until Will you come back a third time? I'll come back as many times as you would like me to. You know what? Then Namisha, podcasters, get it ready to roll, and we'll uh, maybe we'll invite a friend and uh, we'll have them sit down at the podcast table with us. We miss Jim Ayu this time. Jim, you'll have to come back and join us next time. But until then, Daniel Birch, thank you for pouring into our lives. Thank you for pouring into my, my life today and adding value to all of our podcasters out there. We wish you well. We thank you very much. And until next time, we'll see you at the eTech Leadership Table. Thank you. 